All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 355. Jason Lingren is with me and James True is with me. Rose sent me a clip that is titled this, and you might want to write this down. It's on James True's YouTube channel, numbered 225. It's called The Solstice of John the Baptist, and I rarely see clips that rise to this level. It is so spot on that I immediately said, Rose, we've got to get James back to talk about this. And also, I will add, previous episodes on Crow 777 Radio, where James True has spoken, are 194, 207, 230. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. And a very beautiful good morning it is. I don't know if you had time to review the clip. I just don't have time to do these things. But when I saw it, I just pushed everything aside. And I did a thing I don't get to do very often. I listened to the entire clip. And it was just damn near perfect. I watched the clip. I just didn't know where it came from, so I wasn't able to watch the entire presentation. All right. Uh, welcome, James. Welcome back. Ah, great to be here. Thanks for having me, Crow. Good to see you, yeah. Jason. So let's uh, maybe let's draw the picture. Since, since the analemma opens your clip, people may wonder, can we just open up defining what an analemma is? Sure. The analemma is basically a, a solar phenomenon that's witnessed in the sky in which a, a certain shape, basically the shape of the infinity symbol, um, is formed. And you only see the shape in the sky if you were to take a picture of where the sun is at every time, at the same time every day for an entire year. That basically the sun forms a giant figure eight. And that that figure eight is not, it's not equal. It's not like one side of the eight is equal to the other, just to give you an idea, but it's basically a figure eight and that this figure eight is encoded into the astro theology of religion itself. And uh, that's basically the introduction to Analema. So everybody out there who wants to know about this critically important thing, since we now know that the entirety of our world is run by the sky clock. Uh, in the Western world, the sun being central to everything. If you look up analemma, and I think it's A-N-A-L-E, I think there's two M's, M-M-A, you'll come close. Google will correct it as it always does, or it'll try to. Um, what you'll see is someone picks a spot and they put a camera there. And every single day at, say, noon, they take a picture and then they put together, they, they probably throw away so you don't have 365 images. They probably use two or three a month or something like that. And you'll see the infinity sign drawn by the path of the sun. And I think most people do it at solar maximum for the day. Um, it's a critically important thing. And James is about to lay down why. You know, James, not too long ago, I took the time to, we're all familiar with the gospel saints, how they get their little picture of a, a lion, a man. Um, these things are constellations and they're more than constellations because they're also cardinal points in the sky. What James has done has blown this out to a level of understanding. I think very few people have. So where would be a good place for us to jump in? I think probably to give just a really, really brief history of what was actually happening at the time when all these things were happening that most of religion back then, I'm talking about uh, the, before the, the Roman Catholic Church really, really began to cement itself, you're looking at uh, most of religion as being a pain extraction ritual, where people were um, enduring great feats of pain to either secrete their uh, devotion to God or to showcase their devotion to God. 
And that this was such a problem in Rome. Keep in mind that Rome at the time was very much open to whatever religion you want to have, man. We just need to make sure you throw some some alms into uh, to the state every now and then. That was really their entire uh, motive. But they were watching a series of cults that were forming in the streets of Rome. Some of them would would uh, circumcise themselves. Uh, some of them would would lash themselves or, or beat themselves or, or whatever. And that the fanaticism was being derived and, and driven from these pain rituals. In fact, uh, early Judaism, I would argue, was basically formed from fanatics in Rome who thought that, that they could reach enlightenment by unlocking certain pain doors in their head. <clears throat> the reason why I'm telling you all this is because I believe what happened in Rome was they were trying to codify, unite, and uh, corral all of these different tenants into one central uh, system that could then be controlled and, and used, but more importantly, even just install law and order on the streets itself. So what you end up with is a story of 12 to 15 saints that were basically out torturing every single person that could have been in Rome who was going to try and do better than them. And because all these saints were either burned alive, flailed, scalped and eaten alive, roasted alive, eaten by lions, stone clubbed, all these different stories were basically the Olympics of, of self-torture, which made them the sort of hero figures, which caused these different cults to sort of unite under this saint of pain, which I think kind of staved off a lot of the street self-violence that was so important to these religious cults forming a cohesion. So it's sort of like the Bloods and the Crips took over L.A. and said, anyone who wants to be in the gang, whether it's Bloods or Crips, you're welcome. All you got to do is do this or do that, that kind of thing. So everybody knows what happens in Rome. Eventually, the Caesar is going to be a god. So the perversion of any idea of true spirituality goes to the extreme. Now, everyone should also recall that in the East, they've already dealt with this, this idea of asceticism or deprivation or pain to a spiritual end. As a matter of fact, the story of the Buddha is all about that. Uh, he goes to be an ascetic. And he realizes I'm almost dead here and I'm no closer to a spiritual enlightenment. And that's part wrapped into the story. Also, that part of the world now looking back, views what happened in Rome as completely barbaric. But is this a good time to start tying to the sky clock, James? Yeah, I think so. Because I, I so now that we understand that this was sort of the, the appetite, the climate that was running through Rome, you're looking at people that are genuinely trying to unite the city and uh, decrease some of this violence. And it became necessary to invent these figureheads, the John Pauls, the Ringo Stars, the Elvises of this movement and codify them under one central house. Because they're having to codify that anyway, they have an opportunity to actually install Gnosis into this religion they're forming. And the Gnosis that they chose to install was the sky clock itself, was the greater cycle, the cycle that to determine the analema, please keep in mind that it would take a lot of calories for the layman to even know that that's what is happening. Taking a picture at the exact same time was basically impossible back then. It would be a drawing and even having the, the armature set up to know which portion of the sky it was in to record all those things. That's a very difficult task. 
some very wise people decided a long time ago, hey, let's codify the solar cycles, the seasons itself, the things that actually keep us alive. I think in many ways they were seeing that as God itself manifested through the seasons, through all these things. Let's codify that in this religion while we're cleaning up all the fanaticism at the same time. So it was basically like a universal pulse, poultice, so to speak, that kind of fixed everything, and they were able to call it a religion. Well, there's, there's a point we should make here, James. One of these things is not like the other. We're inventing this thing to control people, but we need a true foundation. Where can we get that true foundation? The sun. The sun at that time had been Saul Invictus, the invincible sun. Now, anyone who wants to see the work that we did that shows how did Mithraism, Saul Invictus translate into the Vatican. And by the way, the last kind of Pope of Saul Invictus was in a cave under the Vatican. All his vestments, his name, his funny hat, the altar, all of it gets moved upstairs one day and they say, guess what? There's no more worshiping the sun. But under it all, and I don't know if you agree with me here, what they're doing is setting up a new paradigm on a foundation that is true. And the truth is the sun, the sky clock. Yes. The only thing that, that might be something that, that needs debate is whether or not they did this consciously or whether or not this is simply a fractal resonance of ideas that are simply reflected in the world. And so it would just feel better to the people making these rules to find themselves aligned with certain things without necessarily knowing it. I, it, I, I can think, take a shot at that, James. It would be my I, view that there was a time when people lived closer to nature from eons before they knew an analemma. And as James said, this is no easy task back in the day to draw this picture and realize the path of the sun is drawing infinity in the sky. And so what happened was they began to pare it down. It was holistic at one point. They knew what we call planets now, those wandering stars, all represented a spectrum. And so there were seven in the idea. In the same way, when you split sunlight, there's pretty much seven colors are usually the, the division shown. These were all the influences that could come. In Rome, what I can show happened is basically they had to get people down to a single sliver of the holistic so they could control them. So everything became the sun. And it was not that hard because they could already leverage off the fact that the sun is kind of like the lens, you know, the all powerful lens that all the things that come to us that will influence us. And so what they did is they said, guess what? The sun's the only thing that mattered. And then as was pointed out earlier, they had to use these things that were part of the traditions from, I don't know, immemorial time, who knows, and get it over to a controlled religion, which ends up being held in the Vatican. Yes. If you can follow all that. <laughs> Yeah, in fact, to add to that really quick, um, keep in mind that before the solar religion was installed, you had a lunar religion that was very complex. And most of the, of the Judaic cults that ended up eventually forming Judaism were these moon cults. And they were very, very, very secretive and very specialized. It became very impossible to start to track these years in lunar years. In fact, if you look at the Hebrew calendar now, you'll see part of that confusion where the ninth of Av, for example, falls on a certain point, but only if the solstice started before the moon that would happen on the equinox of the year. And so you start to having to do all this math. And I think that the simpletons in Rome, the ones that weren't connected to the soil, found it very liberating to have an easier system in place that allowed them to kind of ignore all these moon cycles and try and track everything. And they could just listen to a central 
uh, message, very much like the Democrats and the Republicans function now, I think. I think that was a bigger factor, too, than we realize. But there's another aspect to this, and I'm going to get Jason in here in a minute. I know he wanted to say something, but think of what we know to be inarguably true about this place we live. What's it take to have life here? Well, it takes a male and a female, does it not? Is there anyone out there that can argue otherwise? And I would suggest you can argue all day long, but everybody knows for life to exist here, the creative forces have to come together in the idea of the gender polarity of male and female. Now, as James pointed out, they were going with the moon. As a matter of fact, I am to the point now where I've grown up in this era thinking the moon was female in connotation. I'm beginning to wonder if that was a double reverse simply because of things NASA had done and other people that I've interviewed. The point is, no matter how it gets truly divided, the sun and the moon, one will represent a feminine aspect or negative polarity on this plane, the other positive and male. Now, what happened when they divided everyone down to the full holistic seven-part spectrum down to just this one thing is they divided out the gender. If you look at, say, Protestantism, it's all male. Now, if you go back to the Vatican, some would argue, well, there's Mother Mary, and that's the main focal point. That's all female. In every other tradition that had come before, and still within the idea of Christianity, that polarity has purposely been stripped, though it exists there. It's just that the guy up front wearing black never told you about it. Jason, did you want to add something? James kind of hit on it, but we definitely have to keep in mind that by going with the sun, the Roman Empire was very much differentiating itself from the previous moon cults, as James mentioned, of Judaism and sun worship and sun cults uh, were very popular for hundreds of years. And they were kind of going from one to the other. This is all the work we did on when Rome became the Vatican Catholic Church, which was our 300th episode, if I remember correctly. Oh, that's good to know. So there it is, 300. Right. So... It wasn't like a a huge deal for them to focus this on sun worship because so many people were already into it and they just sort of unified it as time went on. Well, they also made it special. This started as Saul Invictus. So the uppity, uppity, muckety mucks in the military had this secret thing going on that everyone knew about. And then it became, hey, you lower guys, there's this thing called Mithras, which has been going on forever. And only the special people have been doing it. Now you can do it. So they got the whole military in. For the lower echelons, it was Mithraism. For the upper echelons, it was Sol Invictus. And that's what got molded down. But let's pull it back around. James, you heard what I said about gender. Uh, in my view, it was just simply there was a holistic world we call nature. And to control everyone, they had to use what had been done and then divide it down until they could build their little pen and herd all the sheeples in. Yeah. But, you know, Paternus, the idea, most of Rome is decentralized into a paternal. Every house was run by the, right. the male figure and that he was a, the living legal representative of every single person's activity in that home. If, if even a slave inside that home did something wrong, the Paternus was, was responsible for that. I, I, I think the, the best way to look at this is, is you're looking at a technology that was installed, that was unrolled in Rome that had never been seen before. Keep in mind that cultus deorum or religio, the actual word religion was born right at this time with Cicero, that for the first time you had the proper performance of rites and venerations of the gods, which is literally that mos maiorum, the idea that all of us here in Rome worship different gods but we have a candor with each other. We have a general unspoken, unwritten agreement. Rome came in and said, yeah, 
we're going to write that agreement down because we're sick of all the all the discrepancies here. And that's literally what they did. They took the the rites and the rituals and the laws of the day and codified them. That's why you have Romans 13, this like <laughs> just sitting right there in the middle of all this other text. You have you have the words of Romans 13, which if some of you guys haven't read it, it's it's out there listening. It's pretty much just obey the government love the government, the government is your God sort of a statement, just kind of slipped in there, you know, real nonchalantly like. Along with render unto Caesar, right? Similar thing yeah. going on. Yeah, exactly. And of course, as you mentioned, Crow, you know, Caesar was promoting himself as a God. He staged a situation with Mark Antony where Mark Anthony would come in and suggest, hey, maybe we should make Julius Caesar a God. And all these things were, were no different than having a publicist now where someone will go out and get a picture taken at a soup kitchen, uh, you know, kind of a situation. You have the same thing happening there. Uh, the same fame that we, we call fame now was just called more deifying someone back then. Right, which is, you know, everybody recognized how it was a perversion. That's just a man. He had a mother and a father, you know, and, and he happened to be the Caesar, however he got there. But here's the thing that has gone on in our world. I take the time to stop everything I'm doing. I take the time to throw out everything I've ever learned and I try to start clean again because I realize that I have spent a lifetime filling my head with nonsense, provable nonsense. All this time, as I'm working out the sky clock, I'm thinking, well, I'm reasonably sure the moon is feminine. And all these reasons to back up what I think should be correct based on what I've read and everything else. And then Ben Balderson shows up and points out that I may be falling for a double reverse. And the way he did it rang a bell so loud that I'm now in limbo, but I am not holding on to what I thought was true because it may be that I've just had the truth pointed out to me and it will not surprise me if, if I can prove that. Here's the thing. We were talking and Ben's all, no, the moon's female. Sun, sun, no, the moon's male. Sun's female. And then we brought up the Apollo thing when they supposedly landed on the moon and they shot, they did a fertility ritual by shooting basically what would be the penis or the sperm off of the moon into the sun, which always, I couldn't figure it out. Well, that's not right. Should be going the other way around. The, the, the male is the penis representation. But then he said a thing that matched with what I know in my heart is true. I have not been able to prove. I have said near, near a new moon, it is in fact new and it will be see-through the moon. These are very difficult things to go out and prove because of the position and everything. But what he said alchemically is what rang my bell. He said that until the moon gets full, it's not hard. It's not completely erect so that I can draw the line for you. And it's like soft and wishy-washy in the earlier stages, which matches exactly with what I know is going to be proven that when it's new or very young, it's see-through. And in fact, using the word new is, is factually true. And when all of a sudden that hit me, I realized that my diapers are so damn tight that I don't even know for sure whether the moon is female or male, but it doesn't matter because I know that I don't know. But I don't know what you might add to that, James, but when Ben Balderson ran out the cathode and the anode and said those things about the moon, it was like, oh my God. And now I am where I am. Yeah. I think that Throughout history, the only way to really control a population, or a man, I should say, is to stymie his masculinity. And personally, I, I, I think that you're probably more looking at Apollo being a ritual like that. 
But whenever Ben says something, I always listen because he has a very, very unique perspective that's important. So, Which is based on actual knowing because when someone does alchemy or spagyrics, it either is true or it didn't work. There is no gray area. Well, yeah, I, I almost got there. No, you failed. You either have what you went after or you don't. And if you did get what you went after, nature proved that was possible. That is, in my eyes, there is no higher proof than that. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, let's let's get... So I don't want to drop so much what you did. I want to get into hour one as much as we can for the people who are not members over there, because as your clip went on, here you go tying the sun to what happened in Notre Dame, the burning of Notre Dame. The interesting thing there is somehow my mind flow had been tapped into the world mind flow exactly one month before they burned it. I started an episode with Jason jumped in to help me finish that said, if you have anything on the cathedrals, hold on to it. They're destroying that recorded path for any man or woman to reach higher humanity. That's what was encoded in glass and stone. And they've been busy dismantling it. And lo and behold, a month later, they burn that sucker up. And then when I saw your clip, there you are tying it to the sky clock. And to me, once you know these things, how do you ever go back to fantasy land? Yeah, I don't think you do. In fact, you just you just start to see the same things you see. You just see them deeper. You're just right. able to see their roots more. And that's why in Paris, during the middle of the day, not at night, not with a, a cloak, not covering, not taping a statue like any mover would do, they were physically taking off the heads of those statues and rapturing them. But what is rapture? Raising it up, right? Into the sky, chopping their heads off and raising them up into the sky to take them away, to say, look, this old religion is outdated. It needs to be replaced with this new religion of technology. And so in order to replace a belief, you can never destroy a belief. You can only replace one. And that's that's basically what they're doing. The way to replace it is first you have to kill the old one in plain sight where everyone can see. And then you make room for the new one. That's why so many statues were removed within the, a few certain years. If you notice that, literally every single statue that's ever been codified in our history is probably gone now. And that happened in the last five years. This is how you install a new religion. And I would argue the only reason why you would ever want to install a new religion is because the old one just isn't working anymore. Same, same with Rome. This is what Rome did. They're like, look, this, this isn't working. We need something better. Let's write down a bunch of things and repeat them over and over again through scripture. And we will set a new religion in place right now they're doing this as we speak, James. Right now, all the Christopher Columbus statues are coming down and all the supposed representatives of the Civil War in the South are coming down. That's a history rewrite. That's yes. that's what, it's exactly what James just said. But to get back to the cathedral, the timing of it and everything else, even the shape of that cathedral, as many people know, it's a cross that's getting burned up, up yes. there, isn't it, James? But the work of Michael Hoffman from the Vatican actually shows that apparently some of those people thought they embodied those statues with some kind of a spirit or an entity, whatever that may be. I'm not real interested in knowing more about it. To know that that's probably what they were thinking is all I need to know. But then when you apply that to what's going on right now in this world with statues and what James showed to be true, I mean, what we're talking about here, if we want to be blunt, it's the memory hole, is it not? Yeah. Yeah. It's If anyone's ever been in any church at all, you'll notice how much reverence is paid for any statue, whether they're clean, whether they're moved, whether uh, you know some renovations are happening. Very, very deep respect is paid for those statues. 
That's why it's it's uh, very naive to think that them airlifting these statues after chopping their heads off in the middle of the day where all the press is there is, is definitely part of this ritual. It's part of the resetting of the mind. Certainly. And I think that because we are so numb to the power of belief, to the actual technology of belief, most of us simply cannot see all the prana that's attached to those elements. And more importantly, how much social structure is built directly from that building, which is why having it burned down exactly on the date of April 15th, which is when the Annalima crosses, is very, very much uh, symbolic, uh, mythological, and technically the right thing to do if you were wanting to reinstall something different. You would have to do it on these days to make it fit with the resonance of everything else that's happening. All important alchemical procedures must begin in spring. And each portion of the procedure, the alchemical procedure, the closer you get to the actual second of the sky clock that you're aligning to, the more magical the outcome. But let's point a thing out here, James. These religions have separated everyone from nature because there's no male and female anymore. Some people have the female aspect, but they've minimized the male. There is no equality that we can know and beyond doubt we know Creation requires male and female, period. Everybody knows it. You pull one of those things out, you're not holistically looking at reality anymore. But what's more is for so long, nobody could even read the Bible. They put it in a language very few people spoke. And they said, here's what it means, folks. Here's what you need to know. When they got around to reading it, there was this big show of the Protestant Reformation, which is just more shenanigans, insider baseball, all of it even to the point where Michael Hoffman took Vatican double agents and showed their statues as Protestant Reformation heroes. That's how bad it is. Point is, you could read the Bible and say, hey, man, you're not supposed to believe in idols here. Well, what does that mean? Graven images. Well, you want to know what that means? Look at somewhere like Islam. They will not use statues or images of humans. That's pretty much the same idea that was thrown by the wayside and implemented before many people could read what the Bible actually said. And these are levels of control, but where would you go? I mean, where would you go in terms of what they did to that cathedral? Which, by the way, that cathedral was not built by the Vatican. And I think I can prove it all day long. Anyone who wants to know things, go read Falconelli's work, Mystery of the Cathedrals. If you can read that, and it is not easy because most of it or a lot of it is written to initiated minds, but it's written so a non-initiated mind can get the gist of there's more here. The point I would make is the Vatican will have you believe we paid the bills for that, but we just can't quite remember who the guy who blueprinted is or the master builder. You're being lied to. These edifices, the really big important ones, were written before they'd had their icy claws into the Western world. Um, is there anything more to add about these cathedrals? And by the, oh, there is something more. In the, in the vein of what James told you, in Falconelli's Mysteries of the Cathedrals, there's a bishop way back in time. And he's saying, he's being told, we want to remove all the St. Christopher statues that is the first statue people see when they walk into a, a cathedral. He's holding the baby Jesus. And that bishop says, over my dead body, you will not touch any statue of St. Christopher holding baby Jesus over my dead body. So you know what they did? They waited for his dead body. The yeah. day they had his dead body, they went in, they got the St. Christopher. This is specifically with Notre Dame, uh, the lady of the North, hint, 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 
There's more to the story than anyone's ever been told. The cathedral remembers the truth of how creation works. It's just the people running the show that don't want you to know the truth. They took the St. Christopher holding baby Jesus out of almost every cathedral, Notre Dame first, I believe, and they smashed it. They didn't just put it on ice or in a basement. They smashed it. And so Falconelli goes along to show you this map in glass and stone for living men and women is slowly being scrambled, put down the memory hole so that all the paragraphs to what you need to read are now not present. What would you add, James? I think that Notre Dame is just as crucial of a location as Rome and the hundreds of miles of limestone caves filled with living like bones, okay, not living, but bones, bones of people that we don't even know that are used to decorate the catacombs uh, under, <laughs> underneath Paris. The entire thing is on an island, a ring of water that surrounds it, that Notre Dame is, is giving you the biggest clue that this world works more profoundly than we think it does. And that all these synchronicities when it comes to the cross, which we'll get into here, especially when we start talking about the saints, I want people to realize that this is what we're calling symbolism is much deeper and more profound than we think it is. We just dismiss it as symbolism when, in fact, this is literally how you would move an egregore, how you would move the collective consciousness. It would be the only way. But because we've cauterize it into television or into news or into Hollywood. We, we simply just do not understand how that prana technology works. And Notre Dame is like the living perfect example of that. The pagan history of that building before it was turned into anything else is the exact same history as the Vatican itself. These spots are important because they have this kind of resonance technology that, that frankly, I don't think we fully understand yet. I agree with you and people should listen back to the paragraph you just spoke or a couple that these, these ideas start to trump all other ideas to make a horrible pun about our televised era. If you are involved in a religious tradition and it doesn't jive with nature, you've got a problem and I can't tell you how to deal with it. You've got to decide how to deal with it, but the creation tells you no lie. There is no lie in nature. The creator of this creation laid down what is true for all time and ain't nobody changing it. What can be changed is what you think is going on. And so when we get to the honesty point uh, and quit clutching to what this man in black told me or what that Sunday school or this Bible study told me was true, and I get back to what's true is the creation, and that is indisputable. Now. How do I deal with what I've got in my hands? And I'm here to tell you what you've got in your hands will mesh. If you think about it, what's the word, James? Holistically, right? So that you're not leaving out parts and pieces of what you know to be true about the creation. Yep. If you were to harmonize everything that makes a sound in your body and to put it in tune, you will notice that you have what's called what we would call serendipity. Things just work out or you have luck or you were in the right place at the right time or you, you turned the wrong corner, turned out to be the right turn later on, that this kind of technology is based on your harmony, the harmony of all your organs with, with the area around you. And that harmony would, would go as, as high as the sun and as deep as Sheol below you. 
and that most of religion is simply finding ways to tap into technology that allows you to resonate or be in harmony with nature, which will just simply uh, make you profitable in anything you do, whether it be running or run, doing a business or making love to a woman or whatever it is, that that's, that's just simply resonance technology. And you're just looking at people battling to A, own that technology, but B, to even implement it or to unwind it into their culture. Because as we're looking at these cultures, I want people to understand that people in Rome wanted Rome to succeed. This was not necessarily a full-on, we have to crush all these people, that there was a genuine uh, fervor about the beauty of Rome and the significance of Rome. People felt attached to this place. They felt so attached to it that they had to create a history for it. The idea of Pollux and, and Paulus, the, the Gemini twins, and, and the birth of Rome itself is codified in these same mythological technologies right. that allow you when you're out to battle and you're going to go cross the 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 Rubicon and battle the 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 Galens or whoever else, you have this technology that you can unleash that makes you believe that God is on your side, that you are resonant with other things. So I'm just trying to say that the symbolism is vital for survival. It's a very important technology. So I can do an analogy that will underscore what you just said. As I have endeavored to show cymatics is at the foundation of form and creation. You can simply go on YouTube, look up cymatics, see someone put some sand on a plate, and you will see form created out of thin air. Everything vibrates. Everything. You could call it a frequency, call it whatever you want. But if you see form, color, anything, sound, you're looking at the idea of cymatics translated one or other. So think about it this way. The creation was made, and all us living men and women are the musicians down here. But as time went on, this massive chord, this perfect chord, multiples of notes and perfect harmony that made the holistic chord of creation became less and less until it was a note. And when it was a note, people were so discombobulated, they took the time to detune the note. That's an analogy for what has happened to us. On the upside, we've kind of reached a place where we're starting to say, hey, man, where's all the other notes in this chord? And who the hell retuned this note that you're handing us? So in my view, we've got a chance to go up again, James, but it's pretty bad how far we've come down the road. I just want to add that I think that that they have no choice when I, I'm using the word they here loosely, but you were going to find the resonance no matter what, at, no matter how hard they try and cover it up. What I mean by that is, is that the only religions that are going to work, Christianity being an example of that, the reason why Christianity works is because it hits so many notes. And when someone approaches that personally, they feel those notes and they think, hey, I like this. This is acceptable to me. What I'm getting at is, is that no matter how strong you are, if you're going to try and install a new technology, i.e. a new religion, a new belief, you're only going to be successful with that if that belief you're installing resonates with people. So what I'm trying to say is, is that even evil itself has no choice but to decode what is good to you because that is simply the only way they could maintain control over people. So as you look at these religions and as you start to unpeel these things, you notice that built in to every lie is the truth shining in brilliant gold. And it's right there because they don't have a choice. They have to cart this stuff out. They can paint it all they want, 
but it doesn't take much for you to find your resonance and see the truth inside of that costume that's been rolled out for the current era. There is no lie in nature and truth needs no defense. There it is. These are altruisms that to me are not arguable, but here's the thing I do, James. When I go out every day to do my prayer and my other things and to try to keep the world unfolding in front of me in a helpful way and keep my path where I'd like it to be, I I don't want to call play it a game, but I do a thing. Every plant I see as I'm walking down to the water or somewhere else, I imagine in my mind, what's the vibratory rate that that plant has this yellow flower? Does that yellow seem like it's had black added to darken it out or white added to spiritual it up? How many colors are there? And by the way, how many petals? Because that's complexity and that's vibratory level. And I constantly just do this with everything I see in nature, even the animals. And in my mind, I try to imagine if I had to venture a guess, and believe me, I am guessing, I try to do things that I know to be true about my garden. Some alchemist once upon a time discovered that sage, common sage is a sun ruled thing in your garden. So when you're using it alchemically, that paradigm or that idea assists you improving the truth of nature about that thing that you were using which can then be applied to you. I come up on a thistle. I see complexity beyond complexity and these colors of intense pink that are clearly darkened down. And I imagine um, if I had to venture a guess, that's, that's Saturnian. I don't know that I'm right, but what I do know is that viewing the world in this way pays dividends because it breaks the idea that somehow I'm not part of nature and somehow someone has to tell me what's true. If you see where I'm going there. Oh, exactly. Exactly. And really that's, that's the difference between regurgitation, right? Which is the antithesis of gnosis versus gnosis is you're going to reflect on that. And what does reflect means? It literally means, does this resonate? Yes, it does. That's all reflection is, is the analysis of resonance and the moving on from that. It's part of why I, I spend so much uh, capital having to defend things that people get mad that I'm defending, such as Saturn. The planet Saturn doesn't have to be this evil force that's trying to destroy you. It, it could just be nature. And nature has this Saturnian side, just like it has a Jupiter side, just like it has a Venus side. All these are different aspects of the same thing. But as I said earlier, the truth is inside of all of them. It wouldn't work if it wasn't. It just it, wouldn't. It's provably nature, James. You, nobody can, anyone who wants to deny what you just said, I mean, come on. There it is in the sky clock in creation. It matches with one of the seven rays of light broken by a prism, which is the same idea, showing you a different way. There is no denying that Saturn is, in fact, a degree or a note of nature. Yes, agreed completely. And, and not only that, what people don't like and the reason they start hating on it is the same thing I just told you. There's a whole chord. You could say, okay, all these colors make the chord or, and we get white. The cord is white when all the colors are together or all these wandering stars, these luminaries are notes in the cord. But what are these people doing? They're all dressed in black. They're wearing a cube on their forehead. And the only note they're playing is Saturn, Saturn, Saturn. And that's when we start getting pissed off because deep within us somewhere, we're saying, where the hell's the rest of this cord? That's kind of dark and cold and not very helpful. What are you doing? Yeah, I, I, you nailed it. That's perfect. Same thing that happens in cooking. You know, Certain right. people like certain foods because they have the flavors that resonate with them, but it doesn't mean the other flavors don't. You know, 
here's what you get every night for the rest of your life, a potato. And yeah. by the way, they're not going to be ripe yet. <laughs> you know? it's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And then pretty soon you come used to it and you say, where's my unripe potato? I'm really hungry. <laughs> That's right. And you're definitely seeing that now. In fact, the same resonance that occurred back then, where, as you pointed out, where only a few, a very, very small portion of people could even read the Bible. That exact same phenomenon is happening now in, in the field of, I'm using air quotes here, in the field of astrophysics, that the exact same thing is, is being uh, unwound now, which is, no, no, only Krauss knows this part of this. So he's the one who has to divine all this, and all we can do is regurgitate what he's saying. Krauss would only be successful by regurgitating things that resonate inside of you. And so even him as being the leader of a certain portion of a thought movement is limited to only utilizing truth to spread his message and to uh, create a congregation out of that resonance that personally is felt within people. You know, you could almost have an instant perception about the world by simply comprehending what you know has happened to a place. Well, there used to be these supposed Aboriginal tribes in this country and they got decimated, targeted and decimated their languages, everything. What, what was that about? People playing the whole chord, people who don't want you to play the whole chord. Um, yeah. This has gone over and over and over. And this is why I feel confident in saying what I'm about to say a long time ago, probably in a time that we know very little about, there were spiritual levels reached, which are almost unimaginable. It is probably the reason why when I talk about where I came from, my line going back, I am a descendant. I have descended. That's the time we're in. Why am I not an ascendant from my great, 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 great? Why, why am I not ascendant, right? We get better as we go along. We get smart. No, we have been descending. I am a descendant. I even put that into the St. Germain episode to make the pun that we're talking to a descendant of an ascended master to force people to think about what we're saying here. But the spirituality that was used, there's no making up a new one. The nature works. The nature works. It does what it does. It functions in the way the creator created it. Alchemy, when it's not being misused, which is mostly what we see these days, proves that you can figure out Nature worked in this way because I took nature, I broke it apart, I purified it, I put it all back together, and I got this helpful thing that I was after. And while I got this helpful thing that I was after to cure or remedy or whatever it might be, I realized I'm part of nature. I could do this exact procedure to my own self to help me be a little more purified and a little, little higher up the rung. The story that was figured out and written so long ago we all live on the scraps of that story and every system that has been abrogated and changed and derisively used and purposely shuffled around and every St. Christopher statue, which had an important opening message to tell us has been smashed. We're all trying to get back to that time we once were. And I don't know how it can be anything but that, James. Yep. Zionists get really angry when I say this, but I, I think we lost our our connection to theology and mythology when we decided that paganism was evil and that the way to move forward is to embrace this idea of all these saints who were tortured and therefore we have to venerate them and create this new religion out of that. That before that, you had a decentralized technology of belief that was ingrained inside your local tribe. 
your connection to the land had its own um, thoughts, beliefs, and religion that allowed you to thrive. And you only survived because you were following those ways. I think ever since then, we've begun that descent, 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 because someone took the time to make a lot of copies of the exact same words. And all it took was by making that many copies, very much like what's happening right now, and that the exact same thing is happening then, which is to saturate the market with information. That information will eventually steep into the culture. And in the next generation, after these saints that have died who say, over my dead body, you'll never change that, you now have a new religion. You just have to wait the generation out so you can begin the new, the new sequence. Every merger you see, every statue you see pulled down is the same thing going on over again and a new belief system being built. One thing we could go over is the idea of all these saints and all the tortures that they went through in order to build this new religion. Because without those tortures, I don't think that the religion would have taken off. That the idea that you would sacrifice your own comfort in order to bring about a new religion was really kind of like how we would invest in a new company right now, right? Where a bunch of people would throw their money into this one system and think this is the system that we think is going to work the best. Each of them tied to the sky clock, by the way. There is not a single saint that we can't match over to the sky clock. Well, that's that's what it's funny because that's that's what I think actually happens is is if you can come up with a story where you were tortured more than anyone else, we will put you in the sky clock. And let's keep in mind that out of the 14 of the 12 disciples that were at the Last Supper, the, the 14 what were considered the, the saints, one of them was a descendant of Josephus who was sort of <laughs> like fictionally martyred at the very end where they were like, oh, what happened to her? Oh, she was tortured so bad. Well, what happened? Well, they took her parking pass away and then they called her names and it was just this, yeah, but what else? It's like, and then her toenail fell out. It was awful. She stubbed her toe. And it's just this story of, of people competing for who was tortured the most. And what ends up happening is, is that the second you start to doubt one of these stories, you now have a system in place of heresy that's already built in. So you and can suffer. Only works because of the suffering, right? Well, you're denying the suffering of Catherine, who's broken on the wheel. It's all of a sudden you're now the bad person, right? Because you doubt, and that's we, very crucial to any of these kind of technologies that that that, that gets installed. Well, we should draw the picture so people can look at the iconography that's been handed down. Let's use Saint Patrick because recently I was looking at it, um, knowing what I know about the saints and the sky clock. And I realized that I was spending my time not too long ago trying to demonstrate where the equinox actually happens. And guess where St. Patrick's birthday is? It's where the equinox happens in the part of the world I am. And I instantly knew that, oh, St. Patrick's marking the equinox. So I went and looked up the green iconography. Well, why is it green? It's green because it's spring. That's what equinox we're at. Now everything's going to be green. How each little saint has the little things that are attributed to him. And in St. Patrick's, there's always the cross. What is that cross? It's marking the solstices in the eastern and the equinoxes on the zodiacal wheel. But if you don't think one example is enough, go ahead and take the gospel saints, the four gospels. Look up the lion, the man, the eagle, and the bull. 
Those are all zodiacal signs. And within each of those zodiacal signs, there's a critically important star. And Leo, the lion, it is Regulus, the heart of the lion, that royal star. In Taurus, the bull, it is Aldebaran, the bull's eye. In the eagle, which is actually the lofty version or the ascended version of the scorpion, the star there is Antares, the heart of the scorpion, a malefic star. And we could go on and on and on. The, the last one's going to be Aquarius, of course. But this was all drawn from a foundation of truth to create a system that pulled people away from how nature works and instead replacing it with these dudes wearing these special black uniforms. They're going to tell you what to believe and how to believe it now. And that was also the reason why the book couldn't be read. Well, we're going to put this thing in Latin because only the most educated monks among us can read it. And then we're going to read it for them and tell them what they need to know. And when that was no longer good enough, they made up the Protestant Reformation. And as I have pointed out, go look at the work of Michael Hoffman. You're not going to find research done at a higher level. You're just not. He's old school. And he's going to show you that some of the double agents in the Vatican are actually statues that are heroic in the Protestant Reformation, playing both sides of the aisle as it always is. No different than the World Wars. How is it that these supposed people who have been our presidents were paying for the Nazis and paying for the, you know, the Axis and the Allied powers? It's been the same game all along. It sounds like James is about to get into some Hour 2 type material. And uh, we're about there anyway. All right, James, why don't you tell people where where they can find you and reiterate uh, that critically important 225th clip on YouTube. If at the time of this writing, my YouTube channel is still up, you can find me there. I I don't mean that to be dramatic. It's just true. I've been shut off of YouTube since May. It's been very, very difficult. Uh, You can find me on Rockfin, though. Um, I've moved over there. Episode 225, The Solstice of John the Baptist, is still up on YouTube as of this recording. And you can go watch that. It's actually a five-part series over the astrology of Jesus Christ. And the solstice of John the Baptist was the thing that kicked that off. So if you're interested in this, I, I go even deeper in the next five episodes that are after 225. So a lot of people that are confronted with this, that have been raised in the way that I was in a Christian family, think that someone is slighting the religion they've been brought up in. Let me reframe a way to think about that and what I view as more accurate. Would you rather accept what a guy in a special black uniform, by the way, why is his uniform black? What does black have to do with spirituality? In the natural world, if you've added black, you have gone away from purity or enlightenment. In other words, if you look at a blue and it is deep indigo, black has been added to that blue to go there. And the spiritual cymatic resonance that makes it goes in that direction provably. If it's a very light blue, white has been added. Why are those men wearing black? And they got this little tiny white collar at their throat, most of them. Do you want to listen to what they're going to tell you is true? Or do you want to take the book that we've all been handed and bounce it off what we know to be true, where there is no lie in nature, or another way to say that is the creation? That's the question. I can't answer it for you. But what I can tell you is this is not a slight on a tradition. It's a slight on controlling interests in our world that have spent a hell of a lot of energy to break your chord. Remember that seven note chord that once existed? You get this one. And by the way, we retuned it along the way. And by the way, we play it back to you in 440 now. That's what's gone on here. 
Anyhow, I'm going to wrap up the first hour of episode 355 with Jason Lingren and James True. Join us for hour two, where we can open up a bit at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777radio.com. And I'd like to wish everybody out there truly, sincerely, a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. There it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy of knowing.